this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Good to be here. New year is well and truly started. Things are starting to, you know, kick off tomorrow. People going back to work. Things are, shops are opening back up again, you know. It's good to get into the Word of God as we continue our Summer of Psalms series. So, Summer of Psalms. Today we'll be speaking from Psalm 13. The, uh, the whole of Psalm 13, actually. And uh, this is a really good example because it's written by David and it's a really great uh, example of how David writes a lot of his psalms and a reflection on really how David deals with a lot of his circumstances and problems in life because ultimately we often see a lot of what David goes through, um, maybe not literally, but in his emotions and everything that that we actually see in ourselves. Um, So Psalm 13, it says, O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying we have defeated them. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall, but I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. All right. It is all on display in this one. David goes through the full range of emotions. And I think it's really good to just break that down, that whole stanza into what we can then translate into our own lives and how we, we should sometimes or all the time deal with problems in our own life. He starts really with the, it's the classic psalm in a lot of ways because it starts with anxiety and anger and then it moves into this prayerful, specific, I want to achieve this and then it ends on really a victorious note, on a high. He ends praising. So let's go through it and it's all in two verses each which is, you know, the couplets of each one of those. So, you know, I can remember a time when I also was going through a bit of emotions, just like David at the start. And I lived in Townsville at the time. And myself and two friends decided we were into motorbike riding, uh, as in dirt motorbike riding. So we went for a ride and there was a sort of a hill or mountain on the outskirts of Townsville, like um, like Kingcumber Mountain or something like that. And... Uh, it's a, it was a ridge line, so you'd go up this long sort of windy road and then it was a ridge line across the top of this sort of cliff on either side and it's all fun. And I had never really ridden it before and so I'm riding in the middle and there's a guy leading and then there's a guy behind us. And so we're riding along, it's all fun and then we get to this really steep section down and I remember thinking, okay, because as part of etiquette when you're dirt bike riding is the guy that's leading you assume, as you would any time really, like if someone's going follow me, is that they know where they're going and that 
we went down and he pulled up to this very steep, almost a cliff. And I just remember going, and he went straight down it. And I was like, all right, well, he's confident. I guess uh, he knows what he's doing. Let's go. I'll go down it. Now, the guy behind me had a bit more sense. He just looked at it and went, nope, and just stopped and just, just, just I don't know, pulled out his phone and chilled. But I was like, okay, we're going down this. Went down, long way down, got to the bottom, and it was a dead end. And I just remember, and he goes, ah, oh, it's a dead end. I'm like, what do you mean it's a dead end? He goes, oh, it's, I thought it just might go somewhere, but it doesn't. I'm like, oh, great planning, because now we have to try and get up that. And gravity, turns out, it's a lot easier to go down than up. And, uh, and I remember thinking, I knew that my bike was faster, lighter, and I was a bit more experienced, and his bike was slow and heavy. And I just remember thinking, you're not getting back up that. There's no way. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm going to try and go back up then. So I spent a good 15 minutes just like getting up this hill. It was just really tough. So I get to the top and the third mate's up there going like, you have fun? I'm like, no, I did not. That was annoying. But I can still hear the first mate trying to get back up. So I actually walk down and like by walk, it was steep enough that we, you couldn't just walk up, there, up it. You had to use your hands like a climb. So I remember going down getting there and he's trying and trying and I tried on his bike but it just couldn't. It was too heavy and not fast enough. And he's like, well, I guess, uh, now remember we're on this ridgeline. He's like, I guess I'll just drive off the ridgeline, like down that way. It's just full bush. I was like, where's it go? He goes, I, I don't know. I guess I'll find out, man. It's the only way to go. I'm like, all right, well, um, best of luck. Um, have a good one. And he's like, all right. And so he just kind of rode like through scrub, like, and just off he went. And I was like, okay. So anyway, then I climbed back to the top of the hill and the other mates are waiting there. He's like, okay, let's go. Like, good. Oh no. What's happened is both our bikes, or maybe it was just his and I like to think I wasn't this silly, but we've, he's left his bike on so the battery's flat. And there's no kickstart on this bike because it's modern and electric. And there is no hill to jumpstart this bike because if you want to try and jumpstart a bike, you've got to get it rolling and then shift into gear. But there's no way. I like, it's not like a car where you can push it. it. There's not enough speed. I couldn't go down this cliff to jumpstart it because it's just laughable. And the ridge line is just flat. And, uh, and so we were just kind of stuck. And we just sort of th- thought about it for five or ten minutes. And then we're like, I guess we just got to walk this bike all the way back along the ridge line down back to the main road. And so that's what we started to do. In the middle of the day, it was like 30 degrees in the hot sun and... Um, and we're going along, and about, I remember about 45 minutes in, we ran out of water. And it doesn't seem like much, but in Townsville, running out of water is actually kind of dangerous. And uh, I remember I was, I didn't, like I was kind of wearing my helmet, but then it was too hot, so I'd take it off. But then I'd start getting sunburned, so then I had to, I kind of took my shirt up and tied it over my head like I was in the desert. Um, and I'm in motorbike boots, which are just not designed for walking in. So you're like, it's like walking in ski boots. You're like, just everywhere and pushing bikes I remember at one point like hikers came along and they were like are you guys okay um do you want some water I'm like yes please um but I just remember being so angry and anxious and frustrated I was just going through like the seven stages of denial and anger I'm just like why is this happening to me this idiot let me down this cliff I just went I was just so angry and frustrated but eventually things cleared up we got to a hill and I could jump start the bikes and we rode all the way home but it took like Two hours. Like, it was just absurd. And we found the mate who had just ridden off into the bush. He ended up in a paddock, and he was there waiting in the pool for us, so we tried to drown him as revenge. But anyway, 
So we made it and we, we just remember thinking, this was just the dumbest thing. Like we got about 15 minutes of motorbike riding in and like two hours of just like hiking, like this is horrible. But thanks, mate, it was great. So I just remember thinking, what an absurd like situation I'm in. There was kind of nothing I could do about it, but just how I reacted. And I remember that most of, the, most of my reaction that way was just anger and then just acceptance of this ridiculous situation that I was in. And that is where you can see David uh, to begin with. His first reaction here, it says, how long will you forget me? How long will you look the other way? He's, he's really just responding, just being frustrated and he's being anxious. He says, how long? Four times. Now, I think it's a relative rhetorical how long because he's just exasperated. He's being going through it and he asks, how long is this going to go on for? It's like the length of these trials is so often daunting to us rather than the actual thing we're going to come up with. If, if someone told me like, oh, you've got to push this bike up a hill, I'd be like, all right. But if it was like, you've got to push this bike for two hours along a ridgeline, I'm like, oh, that's so much worse. Two hours, it's the same physical thing, but the fact that you've got to do it for longer is so much more daunting, especially at the start. If anyone's ever been to like a, a physical trainer or something and they do like the whiteboard or they explain the workout to you and you're like, how many times? How many? Or maybe you do it once and then you're like, that was once and he wants me to do this 10 times. No way. But you get through it and you realise, okay, it's actually, it wasn't that bad. But really the, the length of things in our brain, we're just like, that's, that's, it's daunting, you know? And I think it's really important to just remember that God exists outside of time. Like he, he looks at what we're going through and he goes, no, I know you're going to get through it. Time is kind of irrelevant to me and eventually will exist outside of time. But for, for us right now, we're trapped in that. How long is something going to last for? And let's really challenge ourselves to just trust that God's got it, even though we're going to feel anxious and angry about it, you know? It's daunting in that feeling that, like, I can't go on. I can't keep doing this. Um, and I think particularly when we look at this, these first two parts, he, he says he struggles with his anguish in my soul. How long will the enemy have the upper hand? It is easy to remember the stories of David as just being the victorious king. Like, you remember the highlights and you remember he kind of stuffed up along the way, but, you know, he was a king. You know, he had, like... He was victorious, killed Goliath, he became the king. They, Israel was united and really successful during his time. But you forget how tough he had it for a long time. He, he even as a kid, it starts off like he was the youngest brother that, you know, got laughed at. It was just kind of like, ah, oh, whatever. That, that must have been tough for his whole childhood. We just kind of get like a couple of lines about that. We don't get David was born and David was this. It was just we get introduced to David as he's like a teenager he must have had it tough if his brothers, several of them, were just all kind of just thought he's just the runt of the litter, moving on. He then, you know, started working for the king who tried to kill him like dozens of times. Not once, dozens. I remember as a kid I had like a picture Bible, which are awesome, and I remember there was this image of like him playing a harp, dodging a spear that this like had thrown. And um, I just, just the image of that to me is kind of laughable where it's like, Hey man, I'm just trying to play you some music. Should I go then? Like, is this? No, keep playing. Like, oh, because you just tried to kill me. That's all. 
maybe I'll, maybe I won't. No, I'll see you tomorrow. It's like, okay, I'll see you tomorrow. Don't do it again though. <laughs> but he will. Um, like dozens of times. That was his life for like 10 years. And then on the run for like, well, actually it was for nine years. Uh, nine years on the run trying to get killed. That's enough to get you down. How long is that going to go on for? And, and then even when he became the king, he stuffed up several times. But like even things that he didn't stuff up, well, arguably at the, in the moment, like his own son started a civil war against him. So it's easy to just kind of brush all that aside and go, yeah, Psalms is like the happy book because David was on top of the world and, you know, he had it all. So, of course, he's going to be happy. He's a king. It's like, no, no, he had it tough. He had it tough as much as any of us would. Um, arguably worse a lot of times. I've not had the same person try and kill me dozens of times. Most of us hopefully have never had anyone try and just kill us. But David did. David had a lot of things going on and he was still going through it, you know. He's, so he's letting it all out. He's really not holding back in this. You would almost say, is, this, is he complaining to God? Like he's really going on here. How long am I going to have to deal with this? And I think it's, it's great because the thing is when we think about, you know, should I be talking to this about God? The answer is yes. Because the secret is that God already knows that you're thinking these things anyway. And so speaking them out loud is really just confirming to yourself, really. It's confirming to yourself that, like, not, you're not in denial, like, I would never blame God. But really, you are. Like, okay, maybe I am blaming God. Maybe I'm feeling down. Maybe I shouldn't feel these ways. But I'm going to say it and get it out. You know, it's better to be honest with yourself than to deny the way you're feeling. So let's address it. Let it out, you know. God understands you and he understands what you're going through better than anyone. Anyone. So who better to talk to about this? Who better to go, well, you know what, God, I'm feeling really frustrated. You know, my friend led me down a cliff and now the battery on my bike's dead and I'm frustrated, you know. Or, hey, I'm just trying to play harp here, God, and this king keeps trying to kill me. It's okay to be angry and to be frustrated and to let your feelings out. It is good to do so. And who better to do it than to God? Having these feelings are okay, you know. Tell God about it. And I think it's really important not to deny yourself that sometimes. God wants you to, ultimately, like a parent. He, he wants you to tell him what's wrong. How many times have you asked as a parent, like, what's wrong? I ask my kid that now all the time, like, what's wrong, mate? He doesn't know how to talk. So he can't really say it. He just kind of cries and waves his arm. I'm like, well, it's sleep, it's food, or it's something else. I don't know. And so it's just kind of dishing out. If he could just tell me exactly what it is, then I could do that thing. How frustrating is it at the moment? I'm just like, oh, man, I don't know what's wrong. Go to sleep. No, he's still crying. Okay. But if he told me, then I'd just solve it right then and there. So tell God what's wrong, you know? Don't be the toddler just throwing up a tantrum and just tell him. Actually tell him what's wrong. The second point here, which is verses 3 and 4. Verses 3 and 4, it says, Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. This is when David turns. He's, he's stopped lamenting and being down in the dumps about his circumstances. And now he's turning to God and really praying for a thing. He's turning and praying now. The time, there is a time to let out all your emotions and your feelings, but then there's a time to move on. 
and go, right, what am I going to do about this? And I, I, the, the metaphorical idea of pulling yourself out of the mud, I can relate to because I have physically done that hundreds of times. And it's actually interesting because when you, hopefully you're never in this circumstance, but if you get rained on, like when you're in your clothes or whatever you're wearing and then you sit still for hours at a time, you actually, like the clothes that are touching you, like just like that, they actually kind of get warmer and then the, the points that aren't are kind of cold. But you basically kind of turn into a statue where I'm like, if I don't move, the cold bits won't touch my skin. And so you kind of just end up in this weird position. And I've seen sometimes outfield with guys like, hey, man, let's go. It's like, oh, are we, are we going? You're like, yeah, man, come on. Well, I don't really want to. Like even though they're freezing in the rain, they're literally stuck in that position because it's like, oh, it's like putting on a cold wetsuit. You're like, or cold anything, really. It's that first 30 seconds of moving. Even though you know, hey, moving, I'm going to get warm and it's, it's all good. But that first few steps of moving when you're cold and you're miserable is so much harder than just staying there. Even though long term, you're still going to be miserable and cold. Getting moving is so much harder sometimes. It's like you know a joint that's stiff and sore and you haven't moved for ages and it's like getting it moving is so much worse. Like, oh, I'll just give up and leave it. No, like it's painful at first, but moving forward, we have to move away from just wallowing in, in complaining and anxiety. We have to take that first, often the most painful steps to move forward. And that's what David is doing here. He's going, okay, how long and how long? All right, let's pray about it, basically. He says... Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. He's, he's actually saying, you know, like, give me courage now. He's actually saying, you know what? I've got a problem. Here's a solution, God. I need this. Please help me get through this. And he does it almost like at the start, especially turn and answer me. You'd think that's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty gutsy move, going to the creator of the universe in that kind of tone. Um, but it does, it does say earlier in the Bible in Hebrews, it says to be bold. It's not rude. It's just confident in his grace and love for us, that he is there and he is going to answer. It's not presumptuous. It's, it's making sure that, hey, I know you're there, God, and I'm coming to you boldly. I'm confident in our, relation, in our relationship, you know. I pray to you about everything, so I'm going to pray to you with a solution for something. And so he's done it with a plan. This is something else I like is, you know, he's come to him and goes, I want this. Hey, God, I need to move forward. I need this. Don't let my enemies gloat on me. Don't let them rejoice in my downfall. He's actually really specific with what he wants and what he needs. He's got it planned out. He knows what he needs to do. And, you know, potentially you, you have seen this in the workplace sometimes. I certainly have where someone junior will go to a boss and say, kind of complain with the problem and then I've seen the boss say all right what do you recommend and that is where they hadn't planned for and they go oh I don't know and I've seen them almost just kicked out of the meeting going all right we'll come back to me when you do like go to God with a plan don't be the guy caught like just complaining to God and go and when God goes great what what do you need like oh well I didn't think about that I just kind of wanted to complain about about everything it's like no no Come to God with a plan on what you need, with a plan on what you need God to give you strength for. Give that glint back in his eyes, a sparkle, or I will die. Don't let my enemies do this. He actually has what he needs. He just needs God to 
enable that for him. You know, I think it's really awesome that David, he's a man of action, but he's clearly an emotional one too. So he goes, all right, I've got all these problems, God. Please help me. Please help me. I'm not going to try and solve this all myself. I need your help, God. We need God's help. We can't, the, the scripture doesn't end with the first, he complains, and then he says, no worries, God. Anyway, I'm going to go work on all these problems. No, no. He says, God, I need help with this. Be humble enough to know when your problems start to overcome you that you need God. And maybe not when they start to overcome you is too early, rather. Be humble enough to know that we need God in all our circumstances, no matter how large and small. Finding a park during Christmas time, finding a house, like any and everything in between those two things, God should be involved in your circumstances and your problems. Yeah? The third point here, which is verse 5 and 6. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. He's ending really on a, on a note of praise. And time and time again throughout we see this because it's what most people remember Psalms for is praising God. It starts off being down in the dumps. He lifts himself up with a prayer of purpose and now he's praising God for being amazing. He's rejoicing in him because you've rescued me. He will sing to the Lord because he's good to me. Sometimes, more often than not, really, you can't control what's happening to you, but you can control the reaction to it. And David here is controlling, he's let it all out, but he is going to just, no matter what, he's going to praise God. He's going to praise God. And at that time, this is Psalm 13. There's a lot of more Psalms to go. Maybe when David wrote this, he didn't realize, but he's going to build this and keep going and things are going to ultimately work out for him. But David didn't know that in Psalm 13 or you know, early on in the book of Samuel, but hey, everything worked out. And maybe that's specifically because he kept praising God. You know, The Old Testament is full of, oh, this king was good for a little bit, but then it all kind of went downhill. And then one guy was good for a little bit, then when it all went downhill. But David is one of the few characters who is consistent the whole way. He's always praising God. Consider if you are someone who is that person where you're always praising God. Like that doesn't mean that you don't have emotions and you feel down, but are you someone that always ends on praising God? Or are you someone that just sometimes just ignores it? You stop in verse 1 and 2 and you just kind of complain and then you move on. Let's try and be the people that praise God no matter what. Let's try and be the people that understand that God needs our praise regardless of how we're feeling, regardless of our circumstances. God wants that praise from us. Don't be identifying with what happens to you. Identify with what you're going to become through that praise. The king that God, that David became, that was because he kept praising. Keep praising God and you too can become the king in your life. The king, become the queen. You don't need to be stuck down in the dumps. Sometimes I wonder how many of these kings could have been the David had they not kept praising God. Had they not just been more faithful and had they not just stuck with it and made sure that they kept coming back to God with their problems instead of going, all right, fine, I'm going to go turn and just do whatever. No, no. Let's make sure that we're like that too, yeah? David is a perfect example of going through hardships 
going through stuff, and but he just kept coming back to God. He will sing with Lord, sing to the Lord. He built a habit of it, you know, and it would have been difficult to begin like any habit, but he made sure time and time again that the normal response for him was to come back to God. We all know that, you know, building a habit is difficult. It takes thousands of, I'm sure there's some studies, like thousands of times for it to become something to become normal and a habit. But let's do the same thing with praising God. Let's do the same thing with coming to God with your problems. Consider what your response is. And I know I'm terrible sometimes where I just, I personally just try and fix things like a thousand times over. I'm like, if plan A doesn't work, then I'll go to plan B, then I'll go to plan C, and then I'll just over contrive it when it's just like, hey, and maybe, maybe that's not your vibe. Maybe you're like, I just give up. I just walk away or I complain. You know, what's your response to a problem when it comes up? Is it a relationship? Is it a financial issue? Is it a, you know, family issue? What's your response when problems comes up in your life? Is it going and praising God? Well, let's try and make a habit out of it. Do it once. Like consciously go, okay, deep breath. I'm going to take 20 minutes Go read a psalm and go pray about it. Take inspiration and then go apply it to our lives. And then next time, make that conscious decision. And sure enough, over time, you should be just doing this all the time, regularly. But that's really how we we end up in a successful relationship with God is coming back to him. He says, because he has dealt with me, sorry, um, I will always rejoice in you because you've rescued me. I will always rejoice in you because you've rescued me. Despite the challenges, you know, David is playing the long game. Everything's on an upward trend. There's up and downs in life. But trusting God, it's always on an upward trend. God is he's the ultimate blue chip stock. He will just slowly but surely always be there. And you're going to be on an upward trend if you're always just betting on God. Just go for it. You know, I think it's an awesome example, not in just these, you know, this small verses five and six, but this emotional sort of roller coaster that David goes through. And time and time again, you see it. You can literally like go psalm this, psalm this, and you'll see this pattern of him just anguishing in problems, dragging himself up on it, and then ending on a high and making sure that ending on a high is the real important piece, you know. It's not how you start, but it's how you finish a race. It would be so much worse if the, the psalm was flipped around, where he started praising it, and then he started praying about an issue, and then just ended complaining. You'd be like, oh man, what a, what a bummer. Even if the content was the same, and it was just the order of it was different. You'd be like, oh man, what a downer of a psalm. What happened there? But if it's structured the way it is, it ends on a high. So make sure we're building to something. Don't, don't start high and, and go down, you know? Like... Go the other way around. You could, all you'd have to do is flip the scriptures around. It would be a, a really bad psalm. Probably wouldn't be in there. Maybe they, maybe they exist burnt in under the, um, the deserts in the Middle East somewhere. But everyone read it and went, wow, I'm not, not passing this one on. Let's just. Um, so how good is that? We've got three phases in this psalm. There's six verses broken down. Life, the first one, anxiety, struggling, you know, Life is full of problems, you know. It doesn't matter what age you lived in, what your position in life is, you know, it's part of being human is dealing with problems, you know. 
And the second part here is when prayer is how we start to resolve issues. The first step needs to be starting to pray about it. Come to God with a plan on what you want to achieve. And God's going to enable you to do it. He wants you to set you up for success. Sometimes it doesn't mean he's going to give it to you on a platter and go, all these things, done. No, no. He wants you to work for it. But he still wants you to declare victory, which is that final point there. That faith in God, his, his grace moves us out of our circumstances. It, it moves us into the eternal life that God has planned for us. Time and time again, we don't need to be wallowing in misery. God is in our circumstances. God is in control of all of it. God knows our circumstances and he knows your emotions. There's no need to be stuck down in what we're dealing with, but to move on and identify, hey, there's a really good habit I should be building here. Let's stick to that. So if we get the band up, you know, the final point I really want to make with this is that from verses, you know, one to six here, in the time that he wrote this, I'd, nothing actually changed in the time that he sung this. You know, he wrote this down and was singing it. But this didn't, this wasn't sung over weeks and weeks. He would have written this in the same, you know, potentially in the same sitting. Uh, the problem by the end of it, I will sing to you, Lord, because you're good to me. The problem that he was singing about to start off with was probably still there, still hanging over him, still foreseeably making him anxious. But no, what had changed is his mindset and his, in his spirit. And your spirit will determine the outcome of your problems rather than the, the other way around. Don't be tied down by your circumstances. Don't be subject to what's happening to you. Don't be I, the guy that's always complaining or the person that is always, well, they're always going through something. Everyone's going through something. But don't be the, the person whose whole identity is wrapped up in that. Be the person whose identity is wrapped up in God's grace. God's grace, which is available through us now. Jesus has died on the cross for us. We don't need to be caught up in our circumstances. We don't need to be tied up in our emotions. Be on an upward trend. Come to God with your problems. Trust Him that He's going to provide you the resources. He's going, to, he's going to love you. And no matter what, He's always there for us. And He's always going to be listening. Amen? All right. Why don't we pray, church, as the, uh, the band takes us out. Lord, we thank You. We thank You that You are always there. We thank You that You love us. And Lord, we love You. We thank you as this new year starts and, you know, the life gets back into a regular flow, Lord. We know that problems are coming up, but we know, Lord, that you are always there. And no matter what, we come to you and you will help us, Lord, because we love you and you love us. It is that simple, Lord. We thank you for everything coming up in a good way and the growth through challenges. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.
Jesus, Jesus, there is power.